I mean, we could. That could work. We could just auto tune. Ooh, we should get a get. We should get a guest host and just auto tune him and be like, maybe this is Dennis. Maybe it isn't. <laughs> auto tuning doesn't make somebody sound like Dennis. I just want you to well, know that, right? Or like we can. I mean, I'm sure. I'm look. I don't know audio editing. I'm sure you can come up with something. <laughs> <laughs> Run it through the magic computer box and make it sound good. <laughs> That's true. I make you. I was saying, make you sound coherent, so yeah, I should be good at it by now. That's what you've been doing for the last ten years, so yeah. Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that's all packed up and just about ready to go. I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. And Richard. Uh, no Dennis tonight. He is recovering from gum surgery, so we're going to wish him a speedy recovery and an ability to to talk comfortably again for our next episode, but he's going to sit this one out. Uh, this episode is going to be a bit shorter, actually quite a bit shorter than uh, most of our episodes for a couple of reasons. First off, we have two codexes that we are going to be reviewing soon, but we wanted to have more time to look over both of them because we got them a little bit late due to mail delay shenanigans. And the other reason is I am moving next week. And as of Sunday, we are recording on Wednesday night. Sunday, my computer is going to be packed up. And I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to edit a multi-hour Codex Review podcast episode before I have to pack it up. So we're going to keep this one kind of tight. But I did not want to make everyone wait more time until I got everything unpacked and ready to work again. So we're going to go charging ahead. Uh, we do not really have a key topic. So we're just going to do news and new releases, listener mail, hobby progress, morale phase, and then we'll be out. So short, short episode, but we want to make sure you had some content before the weekend or by the weekend. This will probably go out on the weekend. I think on the weekend time has no meaning now. My life has been crazy. I mean, yeah, that's on you for when you when you have time to to edit. So yeah, so <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna tr I'm if we keep it short, I can get it edited over the next day or so. So we're fine. <laughs> Three hours later, without we work, yeah, that might actually don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> so anyway, let's uh, move on to news and new releases. First off, uh, we have a codex roadmap uh, for the rest of the year. And so August uh, is Grey Knights and Thousand Suns. We know that because they're already, they've been up for pre-order. I think they actually become available this week. So uh, No, they were available last week because I bought my last Thousand week. Sun codex last last week. Okay, so so those are out already. September is when we see orcs, which I imagine will be early to middle September, mm -hmm. given that uh, it should be about a about a month or so after the uh, Beast Snaggers box, and then November. So we don't have any codexes for October. I'm assuming October is going to be a Age of Sigmar month. So yeah. November 
is Black Templars, and we've seen the cover for that. They released that a few days ago on Warhammer Community, and it looks fantastic. The art is beautiful. And then December, we get two new codexes, one for Xenos and one for Imperium. We don't know which ones. But uh, they also did specify there are no Trader Legions codexes coming out for the rest of the year, so not, nothing chaos. But they said 2022 is going to be a big year for chaos codexes. So we you know, don't have a lot more detail than that, but we know Orcs and Black Templars are definitely the next two. And then a Xenos and an Imperium in 2000 or in December. And my mm-hmm. guess is that Xenos one is probably going to be Tyranids considering that they're a big part of the Octarius campaign. Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah. I've also heard people kind of rumor about maybe like an Eldar update because they're probably would. I mean, unless they're planning on doing a model release with it like but it doesn't seem like there's any plans right now to update eldar kits so oh, i could they see really them need to so badly no, they they desperately yeah. need to but i have not heard any like any you know any like rumors or anything in that regard so and i think with all of the stuff they're doing for guard i think that's going to be kind of the the main like new models for a little bit so right so uh, it could be it could be eldar but i tyranids also make sense because they also don't need to have, like, more models. Right. And they did show off some of the uh, new uh, Tyranid rules, kind of hinting at those for what's in the Warzone Octarius book, which, not a codex, but closest thing that they're getting to one at the moment that we know of, mm-hmm. uh, which is synaptic link upgrades. Yeah, that's that's really, like, an interesting concept. Although, I can see it getting, like, easily confusing (laughs) but yeah 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 but i do like that you know we've we've had some concerns about like how is synapse going to you know because synapse has been traditionally makes units fearless and how is that going to work in a game when they are trying very hard not to give anything complete immunity from uh you know morale and combat attrition so it'll be interesting to see if this is a way to kind of give synapse more use beyond just that. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what they do with that. Yeah. But uh, that'll be coming in Warzone Octarius. And then uh, the other thing we have, not a kind of a roadmap. We don't know what's being released, but we've got Kill Team, which uh, went up for pre-order uh, this past weekend. And they did do a system where they basically promised that everybody who pre-orders one will get one. Like there's... Right. You'll get a queue, and anyone who pre-orders it will get a copy. So they're trying really hard to stop the scalper scalper issue that they've had in the past. So basically, pre-orders were unlimited. Right. Although I imagine limited to like one per person or something. But I don't even think it was limited to one per person once you got in. But yeah, but like just making the promise and putting it out there out front that everybody who orders it is going to get it. You may just not get it right away. Right. Kind of kill kind of kills that scalping market because there's there's suddenly no no reason to pay, you know, 3-400 for a set that you can get shortly thereafter. So, it's a good system because they also used it when they did the new um Age of Sigmar launch and it seemed to work really well for that too. So, uh, this is a much better system than what they did last year when they launched the uh Space Marine Necron box that just had, you know, that <laughs> was a very short supply. <laughs> right. 
Although they did, you know, fix that by making it a, uh, you know, by, by doing the, we'll make it print to order. And that's basically what they've done here. They've just consolidated it into one ordering process. So basically, if you got into the queue early, you'll get things launch week. And if you got into the queue later, it'll be as they manufacture it and ship it to you. Mm-hmm. But they also said, like, when you place the pre-order, you'll know if it's going to be a existing stock or the made-to-order version. So it's like you you won't be surprised by knowing, like, they're not going to suddenly say, like, oh, sorry, we didn't make it to you in time. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do appreciate that, making sure that everyone that that wants it can get it, even if they can't get it right away. So that that's good. But uh, anyway, as far as the what they're doing for for Kill Team, and we'll have an episode about Kill Team in a few weeks. I haven't obviously I haven't had a chance to play it because like like right now all my terrain and minis are packed away, so like have no way of testing it. They're doing so. We had the Warzone Octarius, which is the July through September Warzone, and then every quarter, every three months, they're going to be releasing a new Warzone with a new setting, new kill zone rules, new kill teams, new kill team models. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how this progresses. Because assuming that they do a year of kill team, at the very least, we get four kill zones, eight unique kill teams in total. As mm. some and terrain for all those. Uh, I'm I'm curious to see how this ends up panning out. I will say, having looked at the our preview copies of the Kill Team rules and the Kill Team compendium, I am a little disappointed that the original Kill Team core book had was like a forty dollar book that had everything you needed to play, like for every faction, other than no, no, I think it was every faction. Although they may have added sisters a bit later. Yeah, I think that was, yeah, I think that was what happened. Right. But, I mean, but otherwise, it's like, unless you were playing an army that wasn't out in plastic at the time yet, you had everything, like, one $40 book gave you everything you needed. The new book, which the rule book is available as its own thing, the rule book is just the basic rules. It is just the rules for playing Kill Team. No unit stats. If you want that, you have to buy the Compendium, which is a separate book, and they're both $50 books now. So it's a it's a much bigger investment unless you buy the box set, which the box set not only is the only place to find the the models right now for the Orc Commandos and Death Corps Krieg, although they have confirmed that those will both be available separately later. It's also currently the only place to get the rules for those particular units because they are not repeated in the compendium. Just be aware of that. <laughs> And, uh, I'm curious if they're going to include the kill team rules for them in the boxes when you buy them separately. Cause I'm assuming at that point, the kill zone Arcturus box will no longer be available. Right. I would kind of make sense that they do that because I could absolutely see when they put out the Death Corps of Krieg box and the Commandos box that they brand those as kill team boxes and just stick the kill team rules in there because at least for like the Death Corps, like it's, they're basically just, you know, guardsmen. So it's like there's no special special rules or anything for 40k. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah, it, it, we're kind of in uncharted territory at this point. So it'll be interesting to see where we go. And then moving on, we have, uh, you know, we know Black Templars are coming. And not only have they released the Codex cover, they've uh, released photos of the brand new Emperor's Champion model, which looks fantastic. Um, as a yeah, former Templars player myself, uh, 
I mean, I'm going in with going all in with Blood Angels, so I won't be picking this one up. But man, if you're a Templars player, you you definitely want the new model. And they show how much bigger he is than the existing Emperor's Champion model, which the the existing one was a really nice model. Do not get me wrong. Yeah, but this new sure. one is just fantastic. Well, I think it really. You know, and it's never going to, like, satisfy everybody, because, like, if you don't like Primaris Marines, you don't like Primaris Marines. Like, I, I, right. I can't convince you of that. But it really does kind of just show how I think the proportions and the size of the Primaris Marines really show off, like, what they can do with the models now. So, like, that's, you know, because you mentioned, like, the, the Emperor's Champion is a good model, but this new one just looks, just looks amazing. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Primaris models, also something else that went up for pre-order uh, this week is a Ultramarines Primaris Captain in Gravis Armor action figure from Bandai. Yeah, that thing looks really badass. Like, yeah, <laughs> the 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 other ones, especially at that size, like the other one, the other Primaris ones, mm, I don't know. The, they seem a little like too lanky and stuff. This guy's like chunky like well, he looks in gravis armor so he's yeah chunky but like but like he you know he yeah I'm, i look at him i'm like no that's that's a space marine <laughs> like <laughs> i just hope you don't mind waiting six months to get him yeah that's probably why i'm not gonna buy him <laughs> yeah because <laughs> i like ah. the, if if he was available like on a shelf like next weekend sure i might impulse buy it but like Buying it and then having to wait six months? Mm, I don't think so. I don't know. Right. <laughs> I haven't decided yet. I also don't know that we know the prices yet. So, you know. Um, I mean, I'm assuming if it went up for pre-order for, uh, let's see. Well, it goes up for pre-order. That was the Sunday preview. That was the preview. For yeah, the it goes up for pre-order this weekend. So. Yeah. So. I mean, it's. Yeah, I don't. I think. Don't know how much. Yeah, I don't be. remember. What, I don't remember what the other one was, uh, but it's probably going to be more because it's bigger. <laughs> Right. But it looks good. Like it, re- it looks really good. No, he he does look really neat, and I love the pose with like the uh, arm arm mounted bolter with the uh, ammo belt on it and everything. It, it yeah. looks just really cool. Um, let's see, and then uh, we got a little bit more information on Warhammer Plus, primarily on how you like what devices you'll be able to play it on. There is going to be a Warhammer TV app which will be available on iOS, Android, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, Roku, and they're working on getting an app available on more platforms, but also if you have a mobile device that you can watch it on, you can stream it, and also it'll be a, there'll be a website that you can watch it on, you know, for your, uh, you know, on your computer. So uh, lots of different ways to, to watch it, but we don't have, you know, anything new price-wise or anything beyond that. It's the same old thing. That we talked about uh, last episode, I believe. And not to put like too much pressure on you getting this edited episode edited and out, but if you do get a chance to listen to this before Saturday, they're doing a, a preview episode of uh, the first episode of Hammer and Bolter for 24 hours. So if this makes it out before, then you can watch it. If not, you'll watch it. You'll be able to watch it in a week or two. Right. So yeah, it'll be coming soon, and. I'm like I said, I'm going to be subscribing for the year just because if nothing else, the model and the cheaper app access for both apps makes yeah. just financial sense. So definitely going to yep. definitely going to get on it. And once we start getting some of the content rolling out, we'll give a review of uh, how what we think Warhammer Plus is panning out. So uh, 
Other than that, we've got a little bit of tournament news. Um, nothing new on the Midwest Conquest front, uh, although we will hopefully have event signups coming up. Traditionally, we've done it at the end of October, so we will uh, keep you informed as to when you'll be able to sign up for events at Midwest Conquest. Uh, beyond that, uh, we had the uh, U.S. the the first GW U.S. Open in Orlando, and congratulations to Richard Siegler for taking first at that one with a all uh, an all Skatari army using one of these uh, like the special army of renown rules from Warzone Charadon. Nice uh, for that army, something like 111 Skatari bodies to chew through, <laughs> and. And That's most of them in small units. Like, he only had, like, one blob squad, I think. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, just flooded the board with, with Skatari units everywhere. And then Flying Monkey was this past weekend also. And congratulations to Matt Root for winning that one. Uh, Matt is obviously uh, <laughs> not a newbie by any means. Matt has won. I mean, he's won the ITC before. So, <laughs> he's... So, so is he good? He like, that's... I, I'm trying to remember, like... I, I don't remember. I don't remember him ever coming up as an example of being good. <laughs> I mean, he he took a little bit of time off from competitive play to you know be a doctor, and now he's uh, now he's put that ba- that side hustle <laughs> aside <laughs> and has come back to his uh, love of competitive forty k. Oh, so not only so not only is he like really good at forty k, he's also a doctor. Jeez. Yeah. Gosh, give it a break. No, <laughs> no Matt's great. Making uh, the rest of us look yeah. bad, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not that we make the rest of us look good by any means, but well, somebody's got to got to make him look better. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's cool. The, and it sounds like both those events went off well too. Yeah, as I say that though, Matt has not yet cracked the uh, top ten rankings on the on ITC yet. Um. He's been cleaning up though lately. Like right. he's had a very strong seat. Uh, he took first at Bug Eater, first at Flying Monkey, uh, first at Renegade's summer event. Yeah. So basically he's hit the last month or so hard <laughs> and then took yeah. second at the triple threat, thro- uh, triple threat throwdown teams event. So I, I mean, he's, he's doing great. <laughs> he's doing all right. Yeah. He's doing all right. Yeah, you know, I, I, obviously, I, I wasn't at either of those events, so I don't know. But like, I didn't hear any issues with like, um, you know, related to like COVID and stuff like that. Like, it sounds like the events went off without a hitch. So like, that's that's good well, news. To be, to be fair, Flying Monkey was only a few days ago, so there's an incubation period. Sure, but like, there wasn't. You know, it didn't sound like there were any like any any. It didn't sound like there were any. You know, it like they, it didn't sound like they had like drop off in attendance from like oh people you know didn't show up or or so like that. Like it. It seems like for the most part the events. Oh yeah, no, they were went off pretty well, events. so that's good. Yeah, yeah, no, I, people are coming back to events, uh, and uh, whatever you may think of that, I know a lot of 40k players, especially event like tournament players, are vaccinated because they want to get back to in person events, and they know that's the yep. best way to do it. Um, I did see some photos that had people at uh, Flying Monkey wearing masks, so mm-hmm. uh, you know. As long as everybody is doing what they can to be safe, I don't really have an issue with it. And as long as everybody comes out of that event healthy and we don't see like a spread at that event, then I think absolutely. we're good. Yeah, absolutely. 
In other tournament news, uh, this is this is more having to do with an event in the GT, and I'm not going to get into names necessarily because a lot of the A, it's in the UK, and B, you know, which it, and I say that not because I'm trying to disparage the UK, but because it's outside of our normal realm of. Uh, I mean, but but also to be fair, it is the UK, and I think we can disparage it a little bit. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's also where Warhammer comes from, so we can't disparage it too much. <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, I mean they 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 were America Daddy, so I mean, <laughs> don't like that phrase. Don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that at all. No. <laughs> Not, not gonna lie, do not like. <laughs> but please do but not. Anyway, un- please do not unsubscribe from that, please. <laughs> oh, it's too late, Kevin. If they if they haven't unsubscribed, from, if they didn't hit that unsubscribe and delete link as soon as they heard that, then they're on I mean, board. I think, I think I may have just unsubscribed. It may have just been a. It may have just been a knee jerk reaction. Oh. Oh, all right, and that winds up our show. Uh, Kevin will not be joining us for episode two forty four because I have offended him. But anywho, but anyway, anyway. So, uh, but no, there was, uh, there was there was a tournament in the UK. and a player who is one of the the top players over there. He is actually. A very highly ranked player on the uh, ITC rankings as well. Went into an event, saw who else was playing, um, noticed, knew what lists they were playing, and didn't want to face them in a first round, first or second round matchup. So what he did, and this is by his own admission. Um, in fact, uh, let's see. This I will just write. I will just read what he did. In his own words, this is from the Warhammer Competitive Reddit, uh, I'd like to address the slight controversy that happened this weekend and also get the community's thoughts on how it should be treated or resolved for future events. When reading the lists and rules pack for a tournament I was attending, I noticed that several of the top players were using clever lists that countered mine. I also saw that playing those lists in the last two rounds due to the missions were my best chance at winning against them. To try and make that happen, I started walking off objectives in games I when I knew I was ahead. It's something I've seen a lot in the many years I've been attending tournaments and I've always considered it tactical play, the trade-off being if you lose a game, you fall to the bottom of the 5-1 bracket and have no chance to podium. I ended up receiving a yellow card, an auto loss for my next round, in the fourth round for what I did in my game one. In this particular event, the TO was the only person who could submit scores and when questioned why I had scored low, I explained my intentions, which the TO okayed. After game two, I was asked to stop walking off objectives, which I stopped doing immediately, and went on to score as many points as I could for the remainder of my games. Even though I went on following the TO's instructions, the next day it was decided that I was going to score zero for my game, regardless of the 100 to 17 score line. I'm not here to rant about who is right or wrong. I just want to point out that this was a misunderstanding between a player and a TO about not scoring the maximum points available and hopefully having something official announced by the ITC to make sure this is handled better in future events. So, yeah, we have somebody who, so that he would not be a high he he would not be a high scoring player once he had the win locked down decided to stop scoring as many points as possible now the to also had a follow-up to this when uh 
he went into a little bit more detail. The difference here was the difference was the dropping of at least 50 VPs by scoring 10 primary points, tabling the opponent, and then moving off objectives. Because remember, once you table the opponent, under the new rules, the game's not over. The game does not end when you table your opponent. You just continue playing your side of the game. So tabled the opponent, moved off objectives, and then leaving three units in reserve to die to purposefully not score to the last. This made the issue quite apparent and easy to spot. The player was told that this was odd behavior. I hold my hands up and admit that I did not issue a formal warning. However, I did not also formally okay his actions or condone them. After this, the player proceeded to disclose on other channels that this was his plan and strategy. It happened in the next game after that, too, for which I didn't personally take the score. Our judges are the only ones who can input scores to avoid errors and keep on top of placings. So I wasn't immediately aware of the issue that was arising. This has, of course, led to a delay in action being taken. While less than ideal, it was unfortunately the situation I was in. And so the reason I felt I had grounds to issue a penalty was that I deemed these actions to be against the spirit of the competition and as such as constituting unsportsmanlike conduct. I wanted to emphasize I don't consider the actions to be cheating, but they could easily be considered as angle shooting, taking advantage of inexperienced opponents to use the system to the more experienced player's advantage. So that's here. Here's the situation we find ourselves in. And there's been a lot of talk about this lately. And since we are kind of competitive adjacent and we have well, and we have antios you know like that's yeah and as, the other, as yeah. tournament organizers ourselves this is a process and we've heard of this sometimes we've heard of this as submarining in and we've we've kind of joked about submarining where like you lose your first game and then that puts you in a lower bracket and then you win your way back up so you won't take top because you didn't win that first game but maybe you submarine up to like second or third in this case, we have a player who won the game, like was going undefeated, but made sure he was going undefeated in such a way that he would make sure he didn't score high enough to play those top tier, like the other top tier players. And so he could set up a more advantageous matchup for himself later when he felt that he would have mission advantage. And so this has led to a lot of debate uh, is the is submarining like this? A is it against the rules, specifically like the code, the ITC code of conduct and such? You know, is it ethical? Is it a, just another strategy that you can use? Like, are you picking? Is picking your battles a form of tournament strategy? And if we don't want to see it happen, what steps can we take against it? And so, I want to get your guys' opinions on it first. So it is not against the rules, like against the letter of the rules, the way the missions are written. And I can definitely see the argument to be made of, well, it's just another tactical choice and another element of tournament play. I I can see that. I think it's against the spirit of the rules. I think it's against the intent of the rules. And I really don't want this to become a tournament strategy because this just sounds exhausting to deal with and like from a, a TO and from a player perspective, because if I'm a player, cause let's be fair. If I'm going to a tournament, I'm going to be on the, the losing end of this. Like I'm going to be on that. Well, I got tabled. So now they've got three turns to score objectives. I'm not going to be on the other end of this. So like it would irritate me as an opponent. If my opponent was like, well, I've got this wrapped up. So now I'm just going to like play with you and like, not, not beat you as badly as I can, you know? And, and, like oh I didn't want to didn't want to embarrass you or something like that nah, like that's that's that sucks I I don't like that play to win play to you know 
play to score as much as you can play play to you know the spirit of the game i don't know i just i really don't i don't like it but i also don't have a great idea on how to fix it right now yeah i mean i i i basically agree with everything you just said yeah i don't really know how and i feel like you also run into that issue of like it's the same kind of thing as play mistakes are play mistakes cheating Mm -hmm. and and like you don't know that it's not really cheating unless that's what the intention is there's no like hard proof as to like generally what somebody's intention is except in this case where the guy this this case you you do because you have from the horse's mouth that they were like yep this was what i was doing so i mean but like it, it it's not always going to be that way right the other Yo, know, after this, I completely expect it won't be that way. Like, nobody's going to admit to this again because you're going to get in trouble for it. Right. Um, it feels, it feels like slow play. It feels kind of like the same issue as slow play was is, you know, building an army in such a way so that you have, you know, 600, you know, uh, grots to move around and you only get through a turn and a half of your game, but you know that you're going to get top of one and you're going to get two turns. Your opponent's only going to get one. That's also a valid strategy. That's not against the rules, but we decided as a community that we wanted to get rid of that particular play style. So we, we made changes to, to fix that and address it. So it, it feels like it kind of falls in that same category where it is not against the rules. It's not cheating per se, but nobody wants this to continue. Nobody wants this to become a thing. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Um, Yeah, I... So, I I have... My feelings on it are pretty much... Like, I I absolutely agree. I think this is against the spirit of the game. I, I disagree with the idea that because you're in a tournament setting, this is just all part of the meta. Like, the meta should be to find the best matchup and i've seen people trying to compare this to like sports teams where they'll tank a season to get a better draft pick like yeah. you know to get earlier in the draft pick and i don't even think that's that's the right viewpoint usually if a team does that it's it, they're in a losing position already yeah. So right, and and also as a fan of sports teams that that do that type of stuff, fans hate that. Fans absolutely freaking hate that. <laughs> like even if you know that, like, oh, this is so I can get the number one overall draft pick. No, the fans still hate watching it. Like it's still not fun. Like right. <laughs> nobody or, wants or, to do that. <laughs> or or you know you have you know first seed locked in and so the last game you play like all the second stringers and they yeah. play awful and. Fans hate that too. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so it's, I, I don't want it to be considered a viable tactic. I don't yeah. want it to be considered something that people do to try to game this. Cause really at that point, you're gaming the tournament rankings. You're not even, it, it isn't yeah. about the game itself. I'm just, I'm just trying to think of like ways. And I'm thinking this real time. That's why I'm like trying to decide, um, ways that we can maybe like address it. And I know that one of the issues is because we use Swiss pairings, you know, mm-hmm. where you pair the top people and all the winners and stuff. 
does it does it make sense? And and I don't even know if this is possible in BCP because they basically run all the tournaments now. But could you pair up the the winners of round one in round two and then in round three, but somehow do it where like all of the one and O's get randomly paired and then all of the two and O's get randomly paired until you get to the second day? Would that would that help? Would that solve the issue? I don't know. Um, so, it, you know, it's kind of skipping ahead on the, the what can we do Sorry. about it, but uh, <laughs> no, no, you're fine, you're fine. Um, but uh, actually, that's what Flying Monkey did this weekend. Rounds oh, okay. one and three, uh, if you were one and oh, you were random, like, your, like, winners were randomly placed against each other for the first three rounds. So, like, yeah. your record determined who you faced, but battle points did not enter into it until days four, five, and six. So okay. you couldn't really submarine your way into it. And they, they put that in place because of what happened here. Well, and, and to go back to the, the draft pick, te- you know, sports teams tanking for a draft pick thing, that's why the NBA and the NHL have draft lotteries. So that all of the teams that don't make the playoffs get randomly drawn out for the draft picks. And it's not completely random, but it's weighted. But if you finish with in the NBA with the worst record – you don't necessarily get the first pick. You only have like a 25% chance of getting that first pick. Um, mm-hmm. And that does seem to have stopped a lot of the tanking in recent years, at least. Right. Because if there's no guaranteed benefit to do it, then there's no, there's no reason to do it. And if you're pissing exactly. off your fans, then you're actually losing out, you know, in sports, you're losing out on money because people will stop attending games. Yeah. And whereas we don't have that kind of spectator, side of this the way that you know sports do you know in 40k i think we do have to take into account that i feel like not only does this it it definitely is not in the the name of good sportsmanship but i do also think i I don't think it respects your opponents i think it it violates that player code bit because it basically treats your opponent as I don't even like not even I don't even need to play my best to beat you. But now that I've beaten you, I don't even care about scoring points. Like I just right. I've done what I came to do. And I, I've also seen people discuss how sometimes submarining will fall into the let's just talk this out real quick. The idea that, okay, so you're good, you know, like we've gotten to the point where I'm absolutely going to win. So let's just, let's just talk out this last bit of the game. I'll score these points. And they may not even necessarily intentionally move off of objectives or things like that. Cause at this point it's all theoretical, but they don't have any, they won't necessarily max out their score while talking it out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like, that's, that's not, it's not as egregious. And I, and I absolutely agree, Richard trying to track down intent on this is real tricky. Yeah. But when you have like, when you have cases where it's obviously egregious, it's like you tabled your opponent. Why didn't you like, you easily could have maxed out your score. Why didn't you? It's like, like it sounds like in this case, not only did the player, the other player agree about it, but also was like, wasn't subtle about it either. I don't know if there's a good way to do it. It's like, I, it's almost a form of collusion, but it's one-sided yeah. collusion. And yeah. I like, we had, we had players uh, at one of the, one of the last Midwest conquests. Uh, there were two players who were on the same team who 
there was rumor there were people that were assuming and we didn't have any proof of it and in fact uh our, our head judge jason jason horn at the time said there was nothing behind it and we talked about yeah. this on that that episode but a couple of players who were like who were accused of colluding to give to give a teammate a better matchup going into a final round and that's you know that's that's along the same lines although happening much later in the tournament and that's if that did actually happen if that's something that could be proven that's that's also not good absolutely um, yeah now yeah if we could have if we could have proven that like you know if that happened and we proved it and we had evidence we would have absolutely done something about it and like and I we would have been within our rights so right. as you know the TOs to do that i now personally I feel like I feel a yellow card's not strong enough on it. I if if somebody was intentionally and very obviously throwing the tournament structure, like gaming the tournament structure, yeah. not playing to the best of their ability in order to like game the matchups, I would probably issue a red card because at that point while it's not cheating, it is extremely unsportsmanlike conduct to my in my mind. Yeah. Now that may well, put me in the minority. No, and I, I think that's I think that tracks because it not only it not only impacts that player, their opponent, it throws off the structure of the entire event. Because now there are other people that ma- there's matchups are going to be impacted. Um, and, you know, maybe a matchup that would have happened, you know, would have been a chance to be the final is going to happen in the third round or something. Like, I don't think that's over, you know, overkill at all. If you can, if you can prove it, like if you can prove right. intent. And I think that's, that, that is the difficult part is proving intent. Yeah. But in, in a case like this where it is egregious and admitted, and then the player like went on to continue doing it after being kind of like noted that like a that's not cool but it's not technically against the rules and i i understand why the to balked it at doing anything at first because it's one of those it is kind of a gray area it's not something that yeah. is explicitly so, uh, spelled out and the the player in question doing it and then kind of turning around like what can we do to prevent this strikes me as the well i just broke the you know I just bent the rules. Why don't you have better rules to stop me from bending them? And I don't like that attitude either. Right. It's interesting because the reason, the reason for the rules being the way they are now with like not tabling and auto scoring all those points is people were bending the rules the other way. So this is an attempt to correct it and be like, no, we're going to let you play the event out and play the rest of the game out to even out scores and to not just encourage people to blow people off the table and stuff like that. And it's really frustrating to see that it, it, and I I guess it's expected, but it's frustrating to see it get uh, abused the other way now too. Yeah. Yeah. It is one of these things that's a messy gray area, but I I think if the, I think the tournament, I I think a, the ITC code of conduct needs to be, updated to clarify whether that's considered what they say angle shooting which again is the idea that you're doing things that aren't technically cheating but you're also taking advantage you're effectively taking advantage of a of an inexperienced opponent and kind of pushing the envelope and in this case it may not be somebody who's necessarily inexperienced but you're taking advantage of a situation where 
you should be pushing for as many points as possible. And instead, you're basically it's like a cat playing with a dead mouse at that point. Just eat it or yeah. don't, you know? Yeah. And it's not cool. But yeah, I think the code of conduct needs to be clarified that it's not okay. And then, yeah, things like randomizing, uh, randomizing pairings. So, or taking points out of pairing calculation, but saving them for final result calculations. Yeah. Because then you're talking about some, like, if you have an event where, you know, you, you can't get an advantageous matchup by scoring fewer points there, you know, just like if you can't get the draft pick by scoring the least points, if you can't get a good matchup by scoring less points than you need or scare, scoring yeah. just enough points that you need, but not enough to really do a blowout, then the incentive to do it goes away. And yeah. in the end, if there's a big enough event where you could have multiple undefeated players or players where it's like, like if you like, and the player in question even brought up the fact that like if you do take a loss, you've basically tanked your score, like your chance at doing right. anything because you, yeah. you've hurt yourself. And so I'm glad he acknowledged that, but at the same time, it's like you're going, you know, this like you're somebody who's going for the win. And I do think you know, basically giving him a score of zero in a future round did basically solve that problem. And he apparently wasn't happy about that. He did, his his argument was he wasn't happy about it because the TO told him it was okay and then it wasn't. But the TO in question said, "I didn't say it was okay. I never gave him approval to do it. I just gave him I gave him a warning not to do it again." Yeah, and that's hard. You know, hard to know who's right there because again, like that that's always especially on the day it's always hard to to you're going to get multiple sides of those stories but mm -hmm. I, I think there's things they can do to try to mitigate and incentivize better behavior because that's always the best way to do it is you know change the rules and incentivize the structure to reward the type of play you want rather mm -hmm. than like outright explicitly banning something like this because if you if you, for whatever reason, whatever rules you come up with could be weaponized against you. Um, so if you come up with a thing where like, well, if you table your opponent, you have to score the most amount of points. And then somebody games it out and they don't score the maximum points. Then somebody else will be like, well, they're, you know, and you get a zero that way. Like that's not good either. So you want to incentivize players to score as much as they can and play the game, you know, the best they can. Um, yes. And I think. You know, I, I think what you're talking about, like with either, you know, taking the victory points out of the equation completely or randomizing it or, you know, some, some method like that is probably the best way to go, at least for those first, you know, those first couple rounds until you get to, you know, day two and you get to the spot where you've got, you know, eight undefeateds or something like that. And at that point, you're kind of already in that small pool anyway. Right. I, and I've seen suggestions of like maybe, uh, uh, March Madness kind of pairing where you play like the winner plays the lowest scoring player in the same bracket, you know? So yeah, that's, like re that would be another yeah. way to disincentivize. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would be another way to disincentivize it, but it yeah. also means that an undefeated player is more likely to go undefeated. Yeah. Because it, it makes sure you're pairing them against the weakest matchups. Yeah. And then you're also, um, you could still see people manipulating scores kind of in that middle ground to still try to get the matchup they want. 
that's that's the other thing is like you can still you could still game that system to get the matchup you think is best even if it's you know even if there's less incentive for you doing it this you know nakedly and and submarining you could still if you if you can kind of tell who your opponents might be you can still manipulate that so right i mean it's better Um, i i i I definitely like as a better as a better solution but yeah. Um, other things I've heard of, uh, and I've seen, I've seen this mentioned in, in the discussion as well, and it's a related issue, is uh, team manipulation. A lot of tournaments have a rule, uh, kind of an unofficial rule, and a lot of pairing systems take this into account. Like, you know, Best Coast Pairings, I believe, does take this into account, although it may be configura- configurable, is that, uh, or configurable, um, is that, uh, Members of the same team will not play each other round one. And the idea behind that, and I think the idea is perfectly valid, that let's say you and your friends have traveled across the country to go to an event to play new people. The last thing you want to do is first round play the person who you drove with. Right. I mean, we, you and I have faced each other like round four, round five, but... Yeah, in consecutive tournaments. <laughs> in consecutive tournaments, yeah. But we we've never played each other round one. Like it's yeah. it's very rare for that to happen unless there's no other way to do it. That said, there have been cases, and it's not often, but there have been cases, and there have been players caught and penalized for doing this. Mm-hmm. Let's say you go to an event where Matt Root's playing. Matt Root is on the Frozen North gaming team. You put down your team when you read, when you actually register, you know, and sign in. You put your team day, team down as Frozen North Gaming. You're yeah. not actually on Frozen North Gaming, but you've put your team name there because you don't want to face Matt Root round one. You want to have a chance to get a better matchup. I feel I have or, the right to take that team name because I am a member of that Facebook group. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm by that logic, I'm a me- by that logic, I'm a member of a lot of teams. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, you know, uh, like you go to an event where Richard Siegler, who is last year, who is the the previous ITC champion, um, who also just won G- the U.S. Open in Orlando, uh, he's on Team Brohammer. So you put down Brohammer as your team. I don't think you're on that Facebook group. Don't mess with me, sir. <laughs> Let me check. I don't, I don't know. Let me check. Oh, come on. <laughs> but anyway, the idea is like, I don't want to face him. So I'll put that down as my team and then I won't face him first round. Yeah. It's that same kind of thing. You are manipulating the, the pairing system to get the matchup to n- maybe not even get to matchups you want, but to avoid the matchups you don't. And while that one's definitely more blatant. I mean, that's one where you can definitely check. It's like, I've never seen this guy on your team before. Are you sure he's on your team? And then you find out, no, he is not on our team. That That's one where it's it's obvious. Yeah. But, yeah, it's that same kind of thing. It's it's not illegal, but it's it's bad play. It, it's unsportsmanlike conduct. It's it, it's just it, – it, it's against the spirit of fair and open competition, I think. And, yeah, agreed. And – yeah, and so I think that's where this all comes down to. It's like, play the game, respect your opponents, respect all your opponents, respect the the opponents you might get matched up with, knowing that you might have hard matchups, respect yeah. the players where you, do, you don't get as strong a matchup, but treat them like, play the game as hard about, uh, 
you know, it's like, unless you're at bottom tables and it really doesn't matter, like, don't pull your punches. We talked about this in our Players Code of Conduct episodes. Like, mm-hmm. if you're at a tournament, play the way you're going to play at a tournament. Treat your opponents with respect. And if that means you're playing hard, you play hard. And you, you don't, don't toy with them to get the results you want. So just that, that's where I land on it. I know uh, some other people think that it is a valid way. Like it's just a, a meta competition at that point. And it I just, don't that's want how it you to be. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. I, I can't stop you from doing that except at our tournament, <laughs> any tournament we run. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, yeah, I don't want that to be where the game goes. And it, it's, it's stories like that that also, give people a bad taste in their mouth about competitive play. Yeah. It's like you, you want, like you're being an, an egregious case of being that guy. You're Mm. not going to make anybody want to come to a tournament at that point. Who isn't already. It, it's kind of funny because I, I just kind of thought of this as we were talking about, you know, angling for matchups and stuff like that. But I will preface this by saying, I love the new missions. I love the way they're designed. I think that's great. I think, the new mission design is objectively the best that GW has put out. However, it does make me think, huh, yeah, the <laughs> Renegade Open was onto something with their mission select thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you couldn't, you couldn't do this under their format. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, so I think that's We're another so- element you could ran. I think that's another element you could randomize is like the mission order, so that you're yeah. not like in the same cadence of this mission's always round three, this mission's always round four. I I get why that's sometimes difficult because as a TO, you want to be able to know that okay for this round, you know, I can set the tables up and mark everything off and kind of get it ready. But yeah, maybe you just need to randomize stuff more. Yeah, or you reveal missions. Day one, like day one, you reveal the missions for day one and day two, you reveal Mm -hmm. the missions for day two and you might have overlap or you might not, but you don't know what, like what rounds. We also need to make sure like as long as there's a more than six available, which I believe there, I want to say there's nine. There are, yeah, there are nine missions. So pick three for day one and then day two, when you come back, here's your packet for day two and that will have the day two missions. That would be another way to kind of have a yeah. little bit of uh, hidden hidden information and not let people. It's like you don't know what missions you you just know that it won't be these three because you've played them already. Mm-hmm. That might be a way to do. It. And also, just like hey, you don't have to worry about somebody losing their their packet between days one and two. Everybody will have a fresh packet on day two when you sign in. So True. that would yeah. that might be another good way to do it. So there's there's a number of answers that can make it practically difficult to manipulate the system and i think yeah that might like you said encouraging the kind of play that you want is better than trying to punish it after the fact and i think there's there it seems like there are multiple paths to get there i do think this definitely highlights an issue with the current placing system i just wish the person who did it wasn't so smug about it and trying to say, see, I just, I highlighted a problem with your system. I gamed the systems like good for you. You made everybody look bad. Congrats. Yeah. That's still not great. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but anyway, uh, let's move off of that topic and move on to uh, your listener mail. These letters are written by you, the listener. And uh, if you want to know how to get your letter read on the air, we'll tell you how at the end of the segment. And our first letter is actually kind of in line with some of what we've been talking about. Uh, this is a letter from uh, Rob Blazievich. Uh, and I, Rob, thank you very much for giving me a pronunciation guide on your name. <laughs> I greatly appreciate that. So Rob writes... Uh, hello, preferred enemies at all. I was listening to episode 240 and the topic of sportsmanship-like conduct was being discussed, particularly the topic of pointing out if another player forgets a rule in competitive play to not remind them. And to this, I respond with a game that was literally decided by the opponent pointing out that a rule was forgotten. I'm referring to Nick Nanavati versus Richard Siegler in the 2019 Atlanta Open, where Rich was close enough to have the melt-to-damage rule apply for half range, roll two, pick the highest, but had forgotten it, and to which Nick reminded him to take the extra damage. Or to deal the extra damage. Is this a beer and pretzels game? Yes, but it is also a game where one's own personal integrity matters as well. I know I've been in a similar situation with an opponent at a GT tournament game, and when we were playing by and with intent, I made a similar choice, and it did have a strong impact on the game, but I also know that I walked away from that table knowing that it was that I was defeated not because of a rules lapse or a gotcha moment, but because the better and more skilled player, dice rolls notwithstanding, won. Love the show. Thanks again for the entertainment. Regards, Rob Blazievich. Richard Siegler's getting a lot of call-outs on this episode. He is, yeah. he is. But, I mean, the guy's good. The guy's oh, yeah, really no, for sure. good. <laughs> no, for sure. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, this is a good point, that you you don't... I think for the player's code of conduct, and, and I do, I think that you don't want to play the game for, I think how the way we kind of put it is you don't have to play the game for your opponent and you don't necessarily yeah. have, you're not necessarily obligated to, uh, point out anything that your opponent may have forgotten. I, yeah. but I, I think I also agree with Rob here in that your personal integrity is such, like, should be such that, you're willing to do so. Well, you yeah, know, I mean, me personally, I don't play armies that have Melta. So, in general, like, usually I don't have that rule. <laughs> so, if if I was in that situation, I wouldn't remember the rule either to remind my opponent to take it. So, yeah. that's not me going, ha I got one over on him. It's just, I didn't know the rule either. I didn't remember the rule. Right. Well, you know, despite the fact that, like, this is a game that we all love, it's a game that we all dedicated way more time and money than we ever care to admit to, I can't imagine, like, wanting to win a single game or event to the point that I would, like, manipulate my opponent or, like, do the whole, like, ah, gotcha, I got one over. Like, it just doesn't seem worth it. You know, it's not... I, clearly, I'm not playing this game to win, um, but like, I'm not playing this game to lose either. But like, I'm playing this game to have fun because this is a fun hobby. And I get like when you're getting at you know when you're at the the highest competitive level, there is actual money and stuff like that on the, on the line. But like, even if let's say for example, I, I went to LVO and I you know somehow spent that you know. Somehow got a magic amulet that made me make all the right decisions, get sixes on every dice roll, and was able to win the event. Even if I won the prize there, that trip is still probably a monetary net loss for me. 
because I got to travel to Vegas. I got a hotel. I got to pay Vegas prices for food. Going to drink while we're there. Like, we're going to do all the stuff that you do when you're in Vegas. And all the money I've spent on the army and the time paintings like that. Like, even, like, going there and be like, ah, I'm going to do this and win this event. Like, I'm still probably not making money on this. So, like, I just don't get... Not that making money on it would make it correct to, like, cheat or something like that. But, like, I just don't see the incentive. Because, like, even if you do, it's still... It's not worth it. I don't know. It's just... I don't know. I, it, it it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to cheat in general, but like in an event like and stuff like this, because there's just no, what's the gain that it, it doesn't feel like it's worth it to poison a hobby of limited number of people that are going to come to other events and like get that reputation. It just doesn't seem like it's worth it. Yeah. And this isn't even a case of cheating. This is a, a case of, you know, your opponent forgot oh, sure. a rule. Is, is sure. it on you to... Is it on you to remind them? And I think I, th- I think what the, the point Robert here is making is it technically isn't, but maybe it should be. Like if you're a yeah. good player, like if you are a not not just good, if you are a player, not who just plays well, but who plays with a spirit of good sportsmanship, yeah. you probably should, even when it's yeah. to your detriment. So. I, and I could, yeah, it's like, I know we, we made kind of the, at certain high-end levels of gameplay, it doesn't, like, you, sh- you it's okay if you don't, but it's, but I, I, I think the caveat to add and the lesson to really take away from it, you, it's okay if you don't, but it's better if you do. Yeah. Yeah, and, for and sure. So, yeah, so, so, so I, 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 agree, I agree with Rob, I think that, uh, this, that it is better to do so, and so, yeah, I think it's not just a game it it is a thing it's a way i mean it is just a game but it's also a way for us to show integrity by playing the way we would want somebody playing against us absolutely all right and the second letter and we only have two this time uh is from charlie baxter and charlie writes hi rob and all at preferred enemies hope you're keeping well thanks for the excellent podcast is a consistent source of entertainment and painting encouragement thank you charlie Got a rules question for you, which is probably very straightforward, but as Sororitas experts, um, (laughs) 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 I hope you'll be able to resolve it easily and correctly. I recently played a game with my Necrons against a sister's army. My opponent was Argent, my opponent was playing Order of the Argent Shroud. Their stratagem allows them to ignore mortal wounds on a four plus. So that player used this on his, on a squad hit by my Satan powers. The squad was down to one sister left that was importantly locking down a brick of warriors in combat, preventing them from shooting in the next phase. So my opponent declared a command reroll on the final four plus to save her. Is this allowed? My argument is that the command reroll can be used for saving throws such as armor or vulnerable saves only and not feel no pain slash after damage slash shrug saves. However, both my opponent and the store staff said that this was still a saving throw and so could be rerolled. In the end, we diced off, often the best way to resolve such an issue, and it was ruled in my favor, but it would be great to know a definitive answer for next time. All the best, Charlie, overlord of the Thoked Dynasty. Um, this is actually pretty easy to resolve, and we don't even have to look at the sisters' codex to resolve it. We can look at the core rules. And uh, first off, we're going to look at mo- the rules on making attacks. And uh, so, like, this is in the grand tournament packet. Uh, your page numbers may be different if you're using the big, or will be different if you're using the big core rule book. But on making attacks, 
Uh, section f- like step four is saving throw. Uh, the player commanding the target unit then makes one saving throw by rolling one d6 and modifying the roll by their armor penetration characteristic of the weapon that the attack was made with. Uh, Give me the example. If the result is equal to or higher than the model's save characteristic of the model the attack was allocated to, the saving throw is successful and the attack sequence ends. If the roll is less than the model's save characteristic, then the saving roll throw fails and the model suffers damage. An unmodified roll of one always fails. This is just to basically define this is what a saving throw is. And then on the next page, we have a uh, advanced rules box, which covers invulnerable saves, uh, which says you can use choose to use either the invulnerable save or the armor save. Uh, invulnerable saves are never modified by armor penetration. And then we go on to mortal wounds. And this is a, a special case here. Uh, some attacks inflict mortal wounds. They are so powerful, no armor or force field can withstand their th- their fury. Each mortal wound inflicts a point of damage on the target unit, and they are always applied one at a time. Do not make a wound roll or saving throw, including invulnerable saves, against a mortal wound. Just allocate it as you would at any other attack and inflict damage to the model and the target as described above. The reason I say that... You do not take saving throws against mortal wounds. Anything that would mitigate a mortal wound is not, by definition, a saving throw. And if we look at the actual wording on the command reroll stratagem, this is on page 77 of the chapter-approved mission pack. Uh, Command reroll, use this stratagem after you have made a hit roll, a wound roll, a damage roll, a saving throw, an advance roll, a charge roll, a psychic test, a deny the witch test, or you have rolled the dice to determine the number of attacks made by a weapon. That's it. And in this case, your opponent and the store staff were absolutely wrong. Rules as written, any ability that would allow you to ignore wounds, mortal or otherwise is not a saving throw. Saving throws, by definition, happen before the inflict damage stage of an attack. In this case, damage has already been inflicted. You are too late for saving throws. This ability that allows you to shrug off mortal wounds, in this case, for your your opponent's uh, sisters, does not apply to command rerolls. There's a lot of things that command rerolls do not apply to, and as much as... We tend to short, like, people have tended to shorthand in the past, because we, you'd see, like, you'd see a, if somebody had a save of, like, a, a three up save and a five up invulnerable and a five up feel no pain, we would tend to see, like, three plus slash five plus plus slash five plus plus plus. And it stuck in our minds that, oh, this is, and in past editions, feel no pain worked a lot like, a an extra save. You just didn't take the damage if you passed the feel no pain. And that changed in eighth edition when we tended to see feel no like feel no pain style rules being applied to each wound individually. And now we we still see that in ninth edition, but ninth edition has also been very clear on what is and is not a saving throw. And in this case, those abilities which do not have a generic rule other mm-hmm. than like the closest thing in the rare rules sections there is a section on ignoring wounds versus rules that prevent models from ignoring wounds but again there's nothing that says like there's a generic ignores wounds ability that counts as a save absolutely well, and, not. and specifically like i have the the 
I happen to have my data cards next to me. So the the stratagem for Order of the Ardent Shroud that he's specifically referring to, Faith is our shield. Uh, use this stratagem in any phase when an Order of the Ardent Shroud model from your army has lost a wound as a result of a mortal wound. Until the end of the phase, each time that model or any other model in this unit lose a wound as a result of a mortal wound, roll 1d6 on a 4+, plus. that wound is not lost. There is no mention of the word save or saving throw in that. So it is not a saving throw. So Correct. like, you know, so just, just to, you know, further back up the point of what you just said that, you know, it, this, the wound happens and then you basically get the opportunity to negate the wound, but it's not a save. It's not a save in the same sense as saving throw and, and stuff like that. Right. The closest thing we have is in the glossary, there is a ignoring wounds. If a rule states that a model does not lose a wound, it is classified as ignoring that wound. Each time a model would lose a wound, it cannot make use of more than one rule that would allow it to ignore that wound. Again, this is not a saving throw. And in fact, you know, it's like, even if it were clarified somewhat, it's damage dealing, which is in the attack sequence is post saving throw. And in this case, it's a Satan power, which isn't an attack. So yeah, it's like a psychic power in which case saving, saving throws don't enter into the equation. Anyway, saving throws are only used if there's an attack being made that has, that allows you to make an armor save. Like for example, if you, let's say you have a, uh, and this is a rule that you see on a lot of sniper weapons and like tower rail weapons and such. Like if you roll a six up to wound, then you inflict however many mortal wounds and the attack sequence ends. You don't even get to the saving throw process. So you could now you could use that Argent Shroud stratagem to try to not take those mortal wounds, but they're not saves. It is an ability that lets you ignore ignore wounds, which is not the same thing. Yeah. And, and I think that's about the most definitive answer you can get on that. Saving throws are specifically armor or invulnerable saves. That is it. Those are the only things that are considered saving throws. And they're the only kinds of defensive abilities that you can use command rerolls on. And it's very, very specifically spelled out in the book. So, no, your opponent was wrong. You did win the, win the roll off. So, yo, the correct answer, you know, took the day. Guys, don't lie. <laughs> now, that said, the caveat is if if the store staff was a if it was a tournament organized like this was a tournament. Yeah. It sounds like this is more just like open play. But uh, if this was like at a tournament and the store staff had ruled, yes, that's considered a saving throw, and you can re-roll it. Then that's what the TO ruled, and that's what you go with, right? But it sounds like this was more of a – we were playing a game. We couldn't agree. We asked somebody at the store. They didn't agree with me, but they weren't TOs. So we decided – we agreed to roll off on it. And, you know, I ended up winning the roll off, which, uh, yeah, in this case, the store staff was not the definitive result. But remember, in a tournament, if your, po- if your judge rules that it is a save, it's a save and you go with it, even if you don't yeah. think that's the right ruling. But in this case, as far as we can tell, rules as written – and I think rules as intended, they are not saves. And so, no, your opponent would not, your opponent should not have been able to re-roll that. And if you have a letter you'd like us to read on the air, whether it's a rules question, a commentary on a past episode, or anything like that, again, we are not taking list reviews at this time because we need to play some more games to really get 
get the game under our feet and uh, be able to provide that kind of list feedback because this is a different game than it was even in 8th edition. Uh, so, uh, but if you have any other kinds of letters you'd like us to read on the air, there are three good ways to get to us. First is email. You can email us at our first names at preferred enemies. So Rob at Kevin at Dennis at Richard at and newly added the actual our first names at preferred enemies.com. <laughs> and if you send, if you send it to that one, it goes to all four of us. So, uh, We've been talking privately about doing it for for a while. I finally went ahead and did it. Uh, second is Facebook. We are facebook.com slash preferred enemies. Uh, you can like us there, follow us, get updates on uh, when episodes are coming out, anything that we're working on. Uh, we'll have Midwest Conquest. Yeah, we'll have Midwest Conquest updates there and also on the Midwest Conquest GT Facebook page as well. But for questions for us, facebook.com slash preferred enemies. Third is Twitter. We are at twitter.com slash preferred enemy singular. We take letters, comments from all those three sources, put them together, get them in the hopper, and get through as many as we can in a decent amount of time. As of right now, the hopper is empty. So if you want to get your letters read on the air, now is the perfect time. We also have a Patreon if you want to help support the show. Although if you have money to help support the show, we would also actually prefer you give money to local charities and people in need. Uh, with COVID-19 on the rise again, um, there are going to be people who are needing help. Uh, so use your Wargaming powers for awesome and help out in your community where you can. But after that, if you want to help support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash preferred enemies. It's basically our online tip jar. We don't put any episodes behind a paywall. Uh, we are looking at possibly doing a discord. Although I also know that moderating a discord is like a full-time job. So, uh, so we, if anyone's interested ask, in that, <laughs> in doing that, for we us. would <laughs> we would ask people to be super cool about doing it, <laughs> yeah, about be, be super cool about being on the uh, the Discord and don't be jerks because we'd have, hate to have to shut it down. But we are looking at that being a Patreon uh, subscriber perk. So if there's interest in doing that, let us know. Um, it's definitely something we can we can look into. But Patreon, your Patreon support helps pay for our hosting. Um, pays for us to replace microphones when they break and will eventually allow us to start traveling to events again. Um, so, uh, if you want to go to Patreon, patreon.com slash preferred enemies and want to help us out, even if it's just a dollar a month, enough people put in a dollar, it really does help out. Normally we'd be going to a break for sponsor identification, but this is a short episode and we're just going to go ahead and finish up with hobby progress and, uh, the morale phase. And my hobby progress is, all my stuff's packed up. Um, <laughs> I have like my paints are all in containers ready to go. Most of my models are in a storage unit right now. I have like five models that are oddballs that I don't have space for in, uh, or like I don't have, I actually don't have foam for because they're oddly shaped. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I still need to get foam for my two storm surges. I have a, Creature caster, not keeper of secrets. That is, uh, or no, this was the raging heroes, not keeper of secrets that I don't have foam for and a couple other things. But, uh, all my stuff is packed up except for like the two codexes we're going to be talking about probably next episode or so and like the new kill team stuff. But all my other stuff's packed up. So I, my progress is I'm moving it all to a new house. I guess that's fair. I better be because that's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
for me, um, I do have a little bit of hobby progress, although it's not necessarily 40k related. Um, I did get the um, Lord of uh, Gosh, what's the new one called for Plague Marines? Lord of Vigilance, Virulence, Virulence. I was still trying to remember, like, which one is it? What's it called? Um, I did. I was finally able to pick one of those up, so I built him. I haven't painted him yet, but uh, you know, I did put him together and got him on a base. Um, I did, I'm ordered some more Shadow's Edge, uh, bases for my sisters, uh, specifically for my, um, uh, more, uh, golly, I am blanking on names right now. The Walker things, not the, they're not Mortifiers, uh, Paragon Warsuits. Gosh, this is why we don't record late at night. It's not even <laughs> that late, but, um, yeah, so I picked up, so I'm waiting on those before I finish building building and working on painting those. And then uh, while I was waiting on all of this, I built a bunch of uh, Mandalorians for uh, Star Wars Legion. So oh, and those models are really cool. Yeah, I, I, I wanted I picked up the they just released. Well, just like recently released the box. It's Clan Ren. So it's seven different different Mandalorians. Uh, and you can use them with um, with the rebellion, the rebellion faction. So I had uh I had, I don't remember where I had somehow previously picked up like a Luke Skywalker mini. I think I just wanted to paint it. So I was like, well, I already have an HQ for it and they're basically an elite unit. So if I get like another unit of like a unit or two of rebel troopers, I could play small games of that. Uh, but the models look really cool. And even if I don't get to play it, the models still look like they're going to be fun to paint. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Legion models look, look pretty good. So, um, I have enough games, which is the main reason I haven't gotten to Star Wars <laughs> Legion, although I just did place an order for more Armada stuff, so I I, I had no room <laughs> to talk. But that stuff's all pre-painted, so I don't – except for the Starfighters. Yeah. I may end up painting Starfighters. Those things are so tiny. I, I had uh, – when I was when I was last in Kansas City, I went down to uh, Peculiar Games and Hobbies, and like they were doing some demos of Legion, so I got to play it. It's a fun game. Like it's a it's a fun kind of simple skirmish game. So I was like, I you know I enjoyed it, and I'm like, if I get a chance to play it down here, that'll be great. If not, I like Star Wars minis, so you know. <laughs> there you go. Uh, for me, the only thing I've really gotten done is I I picked up a. Spray tent so that I can more safely do like airbrushing inside. Nice. That's really about all I've managed. That's all I've managed to do. Have you, uh, have you used it yet? Uh, I like, I haven't actually, like, I, I got it out of the little package and let it unfold and, and then like tested and put it back into the little container that it comes in, but. I haven't actually sprayed anything in it yet. No. Okay. I'll need to get one of those eventually. I think the, the room that I'm setting up as my office and mini painting area, I may have to set up a separate small table for airbrushing because it does actually have an egress window that I could open up and like vent out to. But yeah, because it's going to be a shared space. Like big, we actually I'll be in the basement and it'll be a big shared space, which means I probably shouldn't fill it with paint particles if I can help it. <laughs> No. Either that or I'll have to do all my airbrushing in the garage, which is also doable, but I'll figure yeah. out something. And then that takes us to the morale phase, the last part of the show. And we talk about something that isn't 40K related, but we've been enjoying lately. And even though we are only two episodes in, uh, because as of right now, they don't appear to have a common continuity, but I, 
I've heard hints that, or I've heard rumors that it might in the future. Uh, two episodes of Marvel's new animated series, What If? The, the first, first one was What If, uh, Peggy Carter uh, had become, uh, Captain America, or I guess in this case, Captain Carter instead of, mm-hmm. uh, Steve Rogers. And the second one was What If, T'Challa, a.k.a. Black Panther, became Star-Lord instead of Peter Quill. And both have been a lot of fun. And the the, the Captain Carter one is really good. The Star-Lord one blows it out of the water. The Star-Lord one is fantastic. Yeah. I need to watch that one. I I I've I watched the the Captain Carter one was thoroughly impressed, but I haven't had a chance to watch the the second one yet. Oh, oh, you, you owe it to yourself. It is so good. It's also our last performance by Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. As, as T'Challa. And he, you can tell he was having a lot of fun while doing it. And, uh, you know, I don't know what his health was like when he was doing it because cancer hit him hard and fast mm-hmm. after, uh, you know, Black Panther. But, you wouldn't know it by listening to him. He, he was, he sounded yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I, so the two episodes so far are like, have been perfect for me because first Avenger is, I will not say it's the best Marvel movie, but it is probably my favorite. Like it's the one I rewatched the most. Um, cause I just thoroughly enjoy that movie. So getting to see this alternate version of it and getting to see, you know, Haley Atwell playing Peggy Carter again and getting to kind of hero it up was amazing the second episode i i I don't know if i'll say like i think it's better than the first one because i really really like the first one the second one is also very good and it is i will say this it definitely more fully plays with the premise of like hey what if this one thing changed how does that impact this 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 you know down the line and like oh now we've wound up in a completely different situation that's really cool yeah but uh i had a blast with it the episode's really fun it's it's just a great performance. You could tell that everybody involved was having fun, and that's, that's oh, what I want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and I will say they didn't have quite as many of the original uh, actors doing voices in uh, the first episode because I don't think they had uh, Chris Evans voicing Steve yeah. Rogers. I mean, other than Chris Evans, though, it was everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they had Sebastian Stan, Stanley Tucci. They had, uh, obviously, Haley Atwell as Neil, as, Neil uh, McDonough Baker. or – I think it was Neil yeah. McDonough that plays. Yeah, uh, yeah. And like, Domin- uh, and oh gosh, I can't remember Howard Stark's actor, but it was him as well. Dominic, uh, Dominic something. Cooper, Dominic, Dominic Cooper. Cooper. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So like a lot of the cast came back, and then uh, they pretty much got everybody for yeah. for the uh, the T'Challa episode. And I'm just gonna th- th- throw it in here. Uh, Josh Brolin had a lot of fun too, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to say what he was having fun doing, but he had a lot of fun. Yeah, it's great. If you like Marvel, here's the thing: if you like Marvel movies, it's great because it's it's fun and it plays with a lot of the premises. If you don't like the Marvel movies, I think there's actually still a lot with this because like it it tell it's telling different stories and it's kind of unmoored from the larger narrative, so you can just have fun with the 30 minute episode. I think you'll I, get I more of it. You get more out of it if you are, though, because you'll, sure. you'll recognize more of the things going on. 
Sure, but I also know a lot of people that are like, well, I don't watch those movies because I missed one and now I'm behind and I, you know, I can't get caught up. I'm like, yeah, but this is just 30 minutes. You watch it and then it's, it's the story. Yeah. But I also think that you do definitely get a lot more out of it if you, if you watch everything. I will also say just as an aside, the art style is amazing. Like I really yes. dig the, the animation style for this. Yeah. Yeah. The, the animation style, it is, it is not like, the it's not the same style as we've seen for like rebels or or bad batch or any clone wars or anything yeah. like that it's its own style they've described it as like two and a half d where it feels kind of like comic panels but mm-hmm. is still fully 3d and i'd say that's a, a very apropos uh, yeah it's a perfect choice for what what they're trying to do and mm-hmm. uh this is not related to what if but it just made me think about this because i was thinking about the art styles uh i'm also like parallel like also super stoked for star wars visions that's coming out because again anthology star wars like anime like that's awesome <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i i had i had made the joke that like i hope they they do a second season of marvel what if but instead just make it the exiles <laughs> <laughs> i like that um so a few things we we like some of the other episodes that have been hinted at. Uh, now, a couple of these we do know about for sure is obviously Captain Carter and T'Challa, Star Lord. Uh, we've definitely seen footage of Marvel zombies it coming in an episode. Yes, yes I'm I'm excited for that. Uh, I'm I've always been a huge zombies fan. Yeah, um, <laughs> we know uh, there's. There's footage they've showed from an episode of what if Tony Stark was rescued out in the desert by Killmonger from Black Panther. Right. Uh, so no idea where that one's going to go, but that's definitely been hinted at. Uh, Ant-Man, like Scott Lang as a severed head, like Futurama style. Don't know much more about it than that, but it's been shown in one of the trailers. Um, Clint Barton as the Hulk, possibly. um gosh i'm trying to remember what it was they they just did the they dropped the trailer for episode three online today and i forget it i think it involves tony stark but i don't know if it's the killmonger episode or not uh trailer Uh, episode three oh no the third episode okay the one that's coming out next is about loki so loki loki centric episode i don't know much more about it than that but yeah because they're, cause they're talking about that Tom Hiddleston is is voicing Loki. Well, I mean, who else would you get to do it? So. Well, right. I mean, but like they're like, oh, yeah, confirming that we got him. Which, I mean, obviously, he was he's still working with Marvel. So that, like, he was going to come back. But no, so far, the show's been great. And, uh, you know, I I really like what they've been doing so far. Because we're, we're now four, you know, four shows into the Disney Plus experiment with the Marvel stuff. And I think it shows the diversity of the format. And that they can do you know, the half hour sitcom format, they can do the longer drama episodes, they can do these anthology series, and provide a different experience than what you get from the movies, which which is great. I like that. Yeah. Oh, and uh, uh, Spider-Man as Sorcerer Supreme is another one that's been... Oh, yeah, that's that was the other one that I saw. Yeah. Yeah. And we are... (laughs) And they do show off an alternate Avengers lineup is how one one article describes it, where instead of the fly around with the Avengers from, you know, with like Cap and Thor and everything, we get like Star-Lord, Gamora with 
Thanos's like double sided sword and some other yeah. character like alternate versions of characters, possibly Captain Carter in there too. So yeah, so we're it, obviously it's going to tie together at some point, but we don't exactly know how. And this is of course all spun off from the things that happened at the end of Loki. And I don't want to give too much more away right. if you haven't seen that yet. But yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> I was I was talking to my friends after the final episode of Loki because I was in I was in Denver that weekend and I was like, so "Have you watched Loki yet?" And they're like, "No, we haven't started watching it yet. What was, what's it about?" And I'm like, "I cannot, in good faith, tell you anything about that show because you, I, no, you're you're not going to like it if I do. <laughs> like, you just just watch it. I can't tell you anything. Sorry. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> like, nope. <laughs> you're on your own here. <laughs> it's good. It's good. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, they. You know, Disney, Marvel's you know series on Disney Plus and this and the Star Wars stuff they're doing. It's just like they've just been consistently, consistently good. I mean, we had yeah. two fantastic seasons of Mandalorian. We've had three live action series for uh, for like Mar- the MCU that have been great. This animated series for the MCU is great so far. Um, we've got Star Wars Visions coming up, and then this December we get Book of Boba Fett, which totally excited for that. <laughs> even even also like season seven of Clone Wars and the Bad Batch, like those have both been really good. So yeah, they've they've been bringing it on the con the Disney Plus content front. Yeah, and we've got a confirmed season two of Bad Batch now as well. So, yes. So I mean, this is just Disney Plus has been showing that it's been worth the money, and. It's like, I can only hope that Warhammer Plus ends up being even remotely this good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, if it ends up being decent, I'll be pretty happy. So, but, you know, they don't have Marvel money. Right. Yeah, I, and I don't want Warhammer to get bought by Disney to fold it in. Oh, God, no. So just, uh, you know, no, I don't. <laughs> <sighs> but, yeah, it's good. Shows yeah. are good. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, that pretty much wraps up this episode of Preferred Enemies. This was episode 243. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to try to get this one out the door as fast as I can on editing. So it may not be the cleanest editing job, but I'm going to try to have it out by Saturday. So it might actually be out in time for that uh, Warhammer Plus Hammer and Bolter preview. Um, But uh, until we talk again, I'm your host, Rob. Kevin and Richard. Good night, good gaming, and uh, I'll see you on the other end in a new house. Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com. Miniatures. We build them, we paint them, we love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Care Multicase comes in. 
They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the Autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the Battle Mats from Game Mat. They're professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a Game Mat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding G-board portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. <laughs> 